Today's show brought to you by Redcon1.com. That's right. Click the link at the bottom of the podcast app in which you are listening to this on. Check them out. Use promo code T20Cordimus. That's right. Redcon1.com. All right, guys, and welcome to Don't Trade on America, coming to you from the DTOM studios in the free state of Florida. I am your host, Don Q. How's everybody doing today? Today's episode is brought to you by Maker's Mark Bourbon. That's right. <clears throat> Just actually made me an old-fashioned to drink while I bring you a pretty lengthy story. It's a story of a, a tale of a mighty tale. No. <laughs> All right. I want to preface this this show today by saying this. Guys, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, please, if you could subscribe, number one, follow the show, whether it's Podbeam, Spotify, Apple, Google, uh, wherever you're listening to this on, guys, if you could follow the show, subscribe, there's no cost. Um, that way you get alerts as to when the show is uh, broadcasting. Uh, if you do follow us on um, Podbeam, you know, we are contemplating doing some live shows. Unfortunately, you can only get those via either listening to us on Podbeam or if you follow us on Facebook at Don't Tread on America on Facebook. And, uh, you know, it's just something something we're thinking about doing, you know, maybe to pick up some, some new people to the show. Like I said, we have over a 1,000 followers on our Facebook, and a fraction of those folks listen to the show. So... We're just trying. I think a lot of the people that follow the Facebook page, we think we just do funny memes and crazy shit, but we actually do a show, guys. And that's why I need y'all's help to help spread the word. And uh, let's just keep this going. Now, I told you guys on uh, Friday show when I ended it. Um, today's show is going to be pretty much all about Ukraine. Now, I'm not going to focus on the Ukraine Russia war. The Putin did this, and because of that, Zelensky, and da-da-da-da-da. Um, I'm also going to say this about that. A lot of the stuff I'm going to talk about today, um, I really want to keep this to an hour, I'll be honest with you. With that being said, it's very, very likely, the way I get long-winded, that this show goes into two parts. I do today and then Wednesday. But uh, we'll have to see. Um I'll try not to get too long-winded on stuff, but there's, I have a lot of information here. Now, I will also say this. What I'm going to talk about today is not mainstream content. You're not going to find this on Fox, CNN, MSNBC. You're not going to find this anywhere. Now, if you dig, when I start saying names and start telling you about certain situations, do your own research, if you will. Prove me wrong, whatever. I don't care. Um... Most of everything I have is from what you would call independent journalist. Now, independent journalists have an agenda also, just as much as uh, not independent. You know, if, you know, you think of independent journalists, these are people that are trying to make a name for themselves via either Twitter, podcast, whatever the situation. You would consider me an independent journalist slash podcaster. And what that means is I have no backing you know, I have a couple of sponsors, nothing major, but I don't make money off of those sponsors unless you guys buy stuff. Everything else about the show is funded by me. Not that it costs hundreds and thousands of dollars to put on a podcast. Once you have the equipment, it's really not that much. A couple, I might spend 20, 30 bucks a month between everything, between the website um, and the uh, podcast dis distribution, but nonetheless. So what I'm going to say is going to be labeled like this. Uh, whoever hears this, you're either going to be like, wow, that's some deep shit. I never knew that. And you might do some research. Uh, you might get, oh, man, I don't know. D-Tom's very much a Russian sympathizer. Not true. <laughs> uh, D-Tom is uh, spreading Russian disinformation. Not true. Everything I'm going to talk about today is in my opinion. And I took articles, uh just different situations from independent journalists that 
it's it's opinions. This is all an opinion based show. It's going to be somewhat. Uh, I might be a little controversial. I'll be honest with you. Very much in the sense of if a mainstream, if this somehow stumbled into the hands of someone on CNN or NSM, you know, MSNBC or you know whatever, it could be conspiracy theory talk. It could be whatever. You know, like for example, if someone from CNN heard this podcast. It would get labeled either Russian disinformation, Russian sympathizer, uh, conspiracy theory, so on and so forth. But here's my, I'll say this about that. If it's conspiracy theory, Russian disinformation, whatever, prove me wrong. I'll say that you can say I'm a a fucking uh, conspiracy theorist all day long. I really don't care. Here's the thing about that. I can have a conspiracy theory on whatever topic I want. Number one, this is America for now. I can do that. If you want to call me a theorist, crazy man, whatever, cool, I don't care. Prove me wrong, and then we can agree. But if if you're just going to sit there and call me names, then whatever. (laughs) I've been called worse. So please... I implore you, whoever's listening to this, if you are skeptical of what I'm going about to say, prove me wrong, and then we can have a discussion. All right. So obviously, there's a conflict or a war going on in Ukraine. There's no disputing that. There is obviously a military operation going on in Ukraine. I'm not disputing that. No one is. But what is it about? Who is to blame other than what we are being told Putin 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 everything's Putin's fault gas prices you know grocery prices everything that's happening right now in this world especially in Ukraine is Putin's fault is that true we'll never we'll never know the truth we are never going to know the truth because no matter how this quote unquote war comes about we're never going to know the truth because We've said it time and time again, and this isn't like something I made up. This is, it is what it is. History is written by the winners, okay? There is not going to be a winner in this situation, okay? Um, and I don't want to put the cart before the horse, so I don't want to start going into people here yet. But um, no matter what happens over there, Putin's the bad guy. He's probably, something's going to happen to him. Whether he magically dies, he goes in front of the war tribunal, something. He's not going to walk away from this clean. I, I can't imagine. As we have seen in recent history, any uh, foreign leader that opposes the central banking system, which is my theory around this, that this has a lot to do with, partially has a lot to do with that and other things that we'll get into today. Uh, they've met their demise. I mean, <laughs> say what you want about Saddam Hussein, uh, Muammar Gaddafi. Say what you want about these people. The one thing that they have in common is they all oppose the central banking system. Be that as it may, discussion for another day. We're focused on Ukraine and Russia right now. So other than what we are being told by all media, and when I say all media, I don't specify... I'm not saying what we're being told by CNN. I don't care who you watch. MSNBC, CNN, Fox, Headline News, what else is out there? C-SPAN, BBC, Al Jazeerian, whatever it's called. Your local news. I don't care who it is. CBS, NBC, ABC, whatever. I don't care. Every outlet in the media, um, you know, other than what we're being told by these folks, we have no option other than to believe what we're being told. We don't know. I'm not there. You're not in Ukraine. We're not on the ground. We can't see what's going on. Some of the optics of what I see, and you know, anything, anything you go against the mainstream narrative, right, is conspiracy or Russian disinformation, period. I think there's probably one person on the news at any platform with the exception of podcasting uh, that's kind of 
has the same mindset as me. And even he, I think, probably holds back a little bit more than he wants to. And that's Tucker Carlson. Say what you want about him, whatever. I don't care. Um, I think his show is big enough. He says some of the things that he says. And other networks call him a Russian sympathizer, da-da-da, whatever. But even he, I don't think, gets into the depths that he would want to get into if he was more free to do so. So, unfortunately, we're stuck with what we're stuck with. Um, But fortunately for you guys, we here at (laughs) DTOM lean more towards the conspiracy of things. Like I've said before, why did Russia invade? They invaded and took back Crimea in 08, or I'm sorry, it was eight years ago, in 14, and no one lost their mind. So why now? Why this fight? Could this whole thing have to do with money? To date, as of right now, um, the countries around the world have given over $15 billion to the Ukraine. Why? Now, if we believe what the media is telling us, I can understand the military equipment and the training. I can understand the tanks, you know. You know, but why the abundance of cash? Like when I said 15 billion, it's 15 plus billion dollars um, that has gone to them in cash money. And that dollar amount doesn't include equipment, just cash. My question is this. If countries are sending equipment such as guns, tanks, ammo, missiles, food, rations, etc., why the cash? What would they need with so much money? Obviously, they don't need equipment or at least to, you know, at least to be able to purchase equipment, and even if so, who would they purchase it from? The people that already given it to them, right? So where is the money going? Or, be- or better yet to whom? And I just kind of, a caveat to that just kind of popped in my head. That was my little script I had read out. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> another thing is to this, maybe, if we're giving them cash, we, America, has given 6.7, or is closer to $7 billion in cash to the Ukraine. Now, I just kind of, and what I'm going to say right now is going to kind of contradict myself, but I'm, I, I'll uncontradict myself here in a minute, but nonetheless, what if... Not that we haven't seen this in history. Uh, Look at Vietnam, for example. But what if, or even Desert Storm, we're sending them cash and equipment for them to buy equipment back from us from the makers of said equipment? Hmm, I don't know. Something to think about. But um, what I want to do is, you know, like I said, so where is this money going to, or better yet, to whom is this money going to, right? So I want to give you guys a brief history of corruption in the Ukraine and the dawn of the Zelensky era. So now this was an article I found, and this is out of the Ukraine. This is out of their newspaper, or, you know, I'm a, it's the uh, Eurasia Net, so it's probably like an online newspaper. This was written back in um, 2020. <clears throat> So this is the uh, brief history of corruption in Ukraine in the dawn of the Zelensky era. The comedian turned president finds a taming, or that taming corruption is no joke. So, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky's inauguration of the Ukraine's sixth president on May 20th of 2019 was unauthorized, unorthodoxed, as his profile as presidential candidate. A political novice, he had made his name and his fortune as comedian, actor, and television personality. And for his debut as chief executive, he decided to infuse some drama and a little slapstick into politics. Uh, Zelensky walked into Parliament building, taking oath of office, saluting and high-fiving fans along the way, blah, blah, blah. Um, My election proves that our citizens are tired of experienced pompous machine. And it's very interesting the way he was elected, very similar to, uh, to Trump being elected. So, he goes on to say, we'll build a country of opportunities. We're all equal before the law, and all rules are honest and transparent for everyone. So, that's very important to note as I get into this show. 
He says, we will build a country of other opportunities, one where all equal before the law and where all the rules are honest and transparent, the same for everyone. This is Zelensky's words. And then to utter shock of onlookers inside the Van Rockfan Rada and all the crowds outside watching on television, Zelensky dismissed the parliament and announced, and announced new elections. Zelensky's presidential campaign was a string of performance by his comedian troupe in outlining his vision, his political program, read somewhat like a television script. I will tell you about the Ukraine of my dreams. It is a Ukraine where the only shots are fireworks at weddings and <clears throat> birthday parties. It's Ukraine. It's a Ukraine where it only takes an hour to start a business. It takes 15 minutes to get a passport and takes a second to vote in elections via the Internet. <laughs> where doctors and teachers receive real salaries and corrupt officials real jail time. Whereas the Carpathian Forest are untouchable, not members of parliament. These are all his words. And it's very important. This was about two years ago. He could have uh, wished for better results in the ensuing tw uh, July 21 leg legislative election. Zelensky, Zelensky's new haphazardly minted party, Servant of the People, named for his television show in which he plays a reformist president, secured 254 seats in the 423 seat uh, basically their parliament, creating a single-party majority for the first time in Ukraine's history. In his very first, in its very first session, the parliament appointed a 35-year-old technocrat, uh, Olenskay Honachok, as prime minister. So before I go reading on, now let's think about this. Here's a person that was supposedly duly elected, okay? His first act as president was to abolish parliament. So that would be the equivalent of Trump or Biden, whoever, being elected president. Biden's elected president. His first duty is to absolve Congress. And that's the Senate and the House of you know the House of Representatives. What world is that democratic? We how long have we been told now Ukraine's a democracy. We've got to fight for Ukraine. We've got to fight for democracy. A fallen Ukraine is a fallen democracy. That was day one of him being president. He was making his inaugural speech and dissolved parliament. And no one batted an eye. Where is the corruption? I'm going to defeat corruption. But your first act as president is to dissolve parliament? Of four, what was it, 423 seat parliament that I would assume were all elected officials? And then you... In the guides of getting a lot of backing because you were the servant of the people party, all based off of a TV show that you did, and people ate that shit up because he it wasn't like okay so like Trump, everyone's like oh Trump is a reality star blah 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 okay whatever he is he was whatever, but <laughs> Trump wasn't famous for that Trump was Trump, Trump's been Trump for sixty you know fifty years whatever, you know what I'm saying it's. The reason Trump became a reality star was because he was Trump before Trump became a reality star, if that makes any sense. This dude was straight up an actor. So let's let's assume Zelensky is the equivalent of, uh, I don't know, Chevy Chase. <laughs> right? Funny, ha, ha, ha. He's got a you know comedy troupe with him. The What was uh, Chevy Chase was Saturday Night Live, and I think he came from Second City from Chicago. So it'd be similar like that. He had a group of people that were in his little comedy troupe. Um, gets elected based upon a TV show that he was just in. People loved him as an actor and a comedian. So who's a famous actor and comedian nowadays? Hell, I don't, I don't know. I don't watch a lot of that shit. But uh, whoever that is comes in. Hey, hey, I'm the servant of the people. This is the servant of the people party. Everything's great. I'm going to run. It's going to be just like the TV show. Oh, by the way, 423 of y'all in Congress and Senate, you're fired. We're going to have new elections starting now. And people loved it because there was so much corruption prior to this, <laughs> so much other corruption, that people are like, yeah, we're going to have a new dawn, a new day. 
So at that point, Zelensky enjoyed a 70% approval rating. And Ukraine had the youngest president in history. The youngest parliament in history. The average age was 41 years old. And the youngest prime minister at 35. And the youngest cabinet in Europe, age, uh, average age of 39. The new cabinet was also quickly dubbed the most liberal in Ukraine's history. And government leaders pledged 40% GDP growth over five years. Oksana uh, Markova, the finance minister, um, I'm sorry, I had to read something because I thought that was a name, but nonetheless, anyway, uh, said at the time that she felt Ukraine was either on the verge of an epic breakthrough or an epic failure. Zelensky generally received plaudits uh, for his first 100 days in office, but now, just over a year in his presidency, is becoming painfully clear that many, uh, for many, the breakthrough scenario is not playing out. The Kolominsky Challenge. One of the biggest questions about Zelensky is his connection with Igor Kolominsky, a prominent oligarch, and his uh, net worth at this time was about a billion dollars. Kolomiski controls multiple assets across various sectors in Ukraine, including heavy industry, oil and gas, media, furious metals and chemicals, agricultural and airports. In the years prior to Zelensky's presidency, Kolomiski uh, feared prosecution in Ukraine and resided in Switzerland and uh, Israel. Kolomiski uh, media uh, empire supported Zelensky during the election and the two have had a close business and personal connection since 2012 when Zelensky's company, Kavartel 95, signed a contract with Kolominsky's media holding, One Plus One, for the production of sitcoms and films, most notably a comedy show called Kavartel 95. So that was his comedy troupe. Um, Kolominsky has publicly acknowledged that he is continually continued to talk via telephone to Zelensky since his election, albeit rarely. During a television debate two days before the vote, Zelensky vowed Kolomiski would not get any preferential treatment during his presidency. He says, if Kolomiski breaks the law, he will go to jail. Kolomiski luck seemed to turn in 2019 following Zelensky's election. He returned home from exile, started winning, started a winning series of court cases, uh, related to the naturalization of Pravada Bank, which he owned until 2016. There are more, four, more than 400 suits and countersuits related to Pravat Bank in multiple jurisdictions, including the Ukraine, UK, Israel, and the US, and in Switzerland, where the bank's new management is trying to prove large-scale large fraud and obtain compensation from the oligarch and his multitude, or multiple companies. In turn, Komolinsky is claiming $2 billion from Ukraine for what he considers unlawful naturalization or, or to grant him shares of a new recapitalized bank, the National Bank, which has spent $5.5 billion popping up or propping up Provet Bank. Meanwhile, Valeria Contabra, a formal, I'm sorry, I, I didn't write the names, a former governor of the National Bank who is widely credited for cleaning up the sector, has experienced a string of traumatic episodes, including a strange hit-and-run traffic incident in London, arson attacks where her country home outside of Kiev and her daughter-in-law's car in Kiev, and a sudden search of her apartment by unidentified mask enforcers in Kiev. She blamed Kolomensky for her woes, but he has denied any involvement. <clears throat> Unresolved issuing... Issues surrounding private bank clouded relations between Ukraine and the International Monetary Fund, whose financial assistance Kiev badly needs. The fund primarily agreed to extend the fresh aid package in December of 19, but conditioned money of the on Ukraine's passage of legisl legislation that would prevent former bank owners from challenging naturalizations and receiving compensation that swiftly dubbed the anti-Kolomensky law in Ukraine. Zelensky dragged his feet on the bill. He eventually had to make deals with other oligarchs, including the predecessor Poroshenko and Ukraine's richest man, Renat Akavamentov, to see it passed in Parliament with their help because of his own 
um, because part of his own faction, particularly the MPs with ties to Kolominsky, tried to sabotage the bill. Once their tactics include filing more than 16,000 amendments to the bills, which would take more than half a year to debate, it would regularly parliamentary procedure was applied. Zelensky sold himself as a fighter to oligarchs. He only had to take on one oligarch, but he had to align himself with others. So, um, basically, his beginning where he was going to be like an oligarch buster. He was a servant to the people, but he was in bed with oligarchs. When that oligarch screwed him, he had to go to other oligarchs. It's like, <laughs> this is where your corruption, number one, day one, should have told you everything you needed to know when he abolished their parliament. Zelensky's ties to Kolominsky uh, seemed just to be part of the challenge. The widespread public enthusiasm that accompanied Zelensky's election is uh, dissipating and reforms on multiple fronts are stalling. While COVID-19 pandemic has certainly upended plans, old patterns can be seen in recent developments. In early March, just before the pandemic started, dominating news, Zelensky and his parliamentary majority drastically overhauled the cabinet. The nation's youngest and most liberal government in the history was placed was replaced by a more seasoned official, some of who had held senior jobs before but failed to implement reforms. The cabinet reshuffle was a disaster. There is no other way to describe it. So you had the nation, the nation's youngest and most liberal government in history, and they replaced them all with seasoned officials. So in, in the idea of what Zelensky was trying to do, being the servant of the people and stuff, I think that's where he got a lot of his backing. But he put people in place that didn't know what the hell they were doing, so they got seasoned officials. So let's, uh, let's put that in America's terms. He got politicians to start politicking again. <laughs> More disasters followed as the government struggled to deal with the pandemic. Initially, the government was unable to start. National level procurement uh, of tests, ventilators, blah, blah, blah. I don't care about that. Um... Medical procurement of Ukraine appointed his, uh, his recommended candidate as deputy director. The candidate, it turned out, had a criminal record for several instances of shoplifting in which he was accused of stealing candy bars, canned cod liver, cheese, red caviar, cured meat, and a pot lid from a supermarket. <laughs> was Yemitz was replaced only 26 days after his post, along with a colleague from Financial Ministries. So, as you can see, this started in 2020. Uh, a lot of, or 2019 rather, a lot of initial uh, corruption. And he won on the guides of stopping corruption. But a lot of what he was running on is based on a TV character. Because he felt that he and his people felt that what was going on was very much a TV show. I mean, we, I, can, I can understand that thought process. But you can't run a country like you do a TV show. Uh, TV shows are made believe, right? On top of that, the Zelensky's new government drained money from local budgets to shore up the national budget. This move poses a risk to reform initiative that empowers municipal governments by decentralizing budget spending. So basically what he wanted to do was take, so let's, let's look at it from the United States aspect. It'd be like D.C., Washington, Biden, for example, going to all 50 states and saying you no longer have a budget. We're going to take care of everything. Well, we can see how well that'll work. Like we've said before, fortunately, we have a constitution in this country. And the states have constitutions. In these other countries, like Ukraine, you look at Ukraine, you hear them talk about it on the news, and they talk about whatever's going on in these areas. And you hear like the Donbass region, and Mariupol, and these regions that they talk about. Well, those are basically states. Okay? All countries have regions, states, um whatever you want to call them. It's, it's similar but different. It's hard to explain. Um, but, you know, here's another article I found. Now, this is from last year. 
And it gives you an idea of who Zelensky actually is. <clears throat> he is a guy, right? So, <laughs> actor Volodymyr Zelensky stormed into the Ukrainian presidency in 2000. I can talk well. In 2019, on a wave of public anger against the country's political class, including previous leaders who used secret companies to stash their wealth overseas. Now leaked documents prove that Zelensky and his inner circle have their own network of offshore companies. Two belonging to the president's partners were used to buy expensive properties in London. Now his partners are the people, the guys that were in his comedy troupe, that Katav, whatever it was, 95, right? Or Kavartal, 95. The uh, revelations come from a document in the Pandora Papers. Millions of files from 14 offshore service providers leaked to the International Consortium of Investigative Journalism and shared with partners around the world, including the OCCRP, whatever that is. <laughs> the documents show that Zelensky and his partners in television production company Carvadal 95 set up a network of offshore firms dating back to at least 2012, the year the company began making regular content for TV stations owned by Ihor, Ihor, Kalamowski, an oligarch, Dodge Island, blah, blah, blah. We already talked about him. <laughs> the offshores were also used by Zelensky Associates to purchase and own three prime properties in the center of London. The documents also show that just before he was elected, he gifted his stake in a key offshore company, the British Virgin Islands registered Molex Multicap Capital Corp, to his business partner, soon to be his top presidential aide. And in spite of giving up on his or giving up his own shares, the documents show that an arrangement was soon made that would allow the offshore to keep paying dividends to the company that now belongs to his wife. A comedian and actor who had been famous since the 2000s, Zelensky began his political rise a few years after taking a starring role in a political satire, Servant of the People, which began airing on the Oligarchs Network in 2015. The show starred Zelensky as a humble history teacher whose anti-corruption rant in classes filmed by a student goes viral online, wins him national office. In a case of life imitating art, Zelensky ended up winning the real-world Ukrainian presidency in just three and a half years after the show's launch, with more than 73% of the vote. Zelensky capitalized worldwide or widespread public anger at corruption, but his 2019 campaign was dodged by doubts over his anti-GAF bona fides, given that his uh, campaign was boosted by media belonging to Kolomowski, who is accused of stealing $5.5 billion dollars from his own bank and funneling to offshore in concert with his partner, Henede <laughs> In the heat of the campaign, a political ally of incumbent President Petro, uh, Petro Poroshenko published a chart on Facebook supporting or purporting to show that Zelensky and his television production partners were beneficiaries um, of a web of offshore firms that allegedly received $41 million in funds. Um, that ally, Voldemir Arrive, didn't provide evidence that his um, accusations had ever been proven, but the Pandora, Pandora Papers show um, that at least some of the details in his alleged scheme corresponded to reality. The leaked documents show information on 10 companies in the network that match structure detailed in various charts. The new, the new documents show part of the network was managed with help from Fidelity Corporation Services, an offshore consulting uh, consultancy that was one of 14 firms whose documents make up part of the Pandora Papers leak. The document shows that Zelensky's partners use companies based in the British Virgin Islands, Belize, and Cyprus. Two of Zelensky's associates from offshore network were also part of his TV production company, now hold powerful positions. And uh, Sherry Sheriff, 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 <laughs> I can I can read, is Zelensky's top presidential aide, while Ivan Bakanov 
heads the security service of the Ukraine. We'll get into them here in a little while. These powerful positions also come with risk. Schiffer uh, narrowly escaped his apparent assassination attempt when his car was fired on outside Kiev in September. Uh, he was unharmed, but his driver was wounded. Zelensky has repeatedly pledged to rein in oligarchs. The day after the attack on Schiffer, Schiffer uh, the country's parliament passed a bill that would create a, a register of oligarchs and bar them from financing political parties or taking part in privatization. Privas privatizations. <laughs> Zelensky said that the attempt on Schiffer's life um, will receive a strong response and not influence his fight against vested interests. Now, this is a guy who's going after oligarchs who was sponsored and paid for by oligarchs to win the presidency. Just want to point that out. A spokesman for Zelensky, Zelensky denied or declined to comment. Shafar and Bakanov did not respond to questions. Uh, sh sh blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Shafar's brother, Boris, who was part owner of the Malik's multi-capital corp, said uh, he may indeed be an owner, but was unaware of the details of the offshore arrangement, which, he, uh, which uh, was largely the work of Ukraine's now security service chief, Bakanov. Bakanov was our financial director. He set up financial schemes of our company. Speaking honestly, I'm not ready to respond to you, he said. Uh, Schaeffer said such offshore arrangements were necessary because of the threat to the company of authority of ban uh, bandits. Carvartal 95's members were moving to divest themselves of offshore, but it was a slow and difficult process. I'm sure. So, before I read on, it was interesting... You know, in my, in my quest to find out where this 15 plus billion dollars is going, I literally can't find anything. I found parts where they're saying, oh, um, it's to help maintain the economy of uh, the Ukraine. Okay. How? What, what, where is the money going to? Is it going to their GDP? Is it going to their... When you say uphold the... Um, the economy, what does that mean? Or is that money going to the people? We have seen in history, in recent history, where we have given money to governments to, up, to help their economy. Haiti, Dominican Republic, for example. And that money doesn't, you go in a still shithole country. These, this money is being taken by their leaders. They're living high off the hog while their people are suffering. So my, my question is, and it, unless I come up with something, where is it going to? As far as I know, Zelensky's putting it in his pocket. I can't prove that, but he's worth 25 to $30 million is what I could find. Okay, how is he worth that? Okay, it was TV star or whatever. But he obviously owned companies. He owned a production company, he owned stuff. And then magically, oh, I'm just not going to do it. But then he gifts it to a person. But then there's a trail that leads back to his wife. Could this money being, could we know for a fact that Ukraine is a, is a corrupt country? We know this. Um, just look at Hunter Biden and Joe Burisma. That's all Ukraine. That's not, that happened in Ukraine. That Joe Biden saying to Proshenko, Oh, fire the prosecutor. You're not going to get your money. You know. There is corruption run amok in Ukraine prior to Zelensky. Like, that's how he won. His, his battle cry was to fight corruption. But he's equally just as corrupt. Where's the money? So, I'll read on. Um... It's unclear what most of the on offshore network was used for, but partial answer to a mystery can be found in Lon London's Baker Street, near the resident of another famous fictional, fictional character, Sherlock Holmes. That's the thing about offshore accounts. <laughs> They're non-traceable. When you hear drug dealers and oligarchs and stuff like that, and they put their money in, in uh, the uh, Virgin Islands and... Uh, Cyprus and what was the other one? Belize. They don't track that shit. 
There could be billions of dollars in these accounts and we would never know. I know it's a short-term situation. There's a lot of money flowing into Ukraine in a very short time. This all started back in the end of January, beginning of February. But they've lost, I think, six, almost 6 million people have left Ukraine, which you, know, you can't blame them. So where is the money going? Why is it... I could see us sending equipment, food, whatever, to help the people. But why the cash? That's still, I just don't understand why the cash. Pandora Papers documents show a network company was used to purchase an apartment in London, just a short walk from the museum. Um, so this is going to, I'm just going to kind of skip through here. This is stuff that was bought in London, different uh, landmarks. What they bought isn't as important as to why they bought or how they bought. So there is no sign that Zelensky himself was part of the London property deals. However, the documents show that he is a key player in other parts of offshore network. At the center of the web of foreign firms is Maltex Multicapital Corp., which has never before been linked to Zelensky. In 2017, Maltex was divided equally between shell companies belonging to Zelensky. Akolavev and brothers uh, Shiri, uh, Schiffer and Boris Schiffer. Ivan Bakanov, another Carbartle 95 partner who now serves as Ukraine's secret police chief, was the beneficiary of another company that acted as a nominee and trustee for the four other men's ownership of Maltex. So even though he's not directly linked to these situations he's linked to shell companies that are linked to that i mean this is very much shadiness run amok very uh uh mob you know type situation and it's it's all it's almost like him and his partners got into politics to get rich hmm that doesn't sound familiar at all Zelensky, together with his wife, owned a quarter of Maltex through a Belize registry firm called Firm uh, Film Heritage. But in 2019, in the heat of Zelensky's election campaign, Film Heritage transferred its ownership of Maltex to another company owned by uh, Schiffer, a soon-to-be president, presidential chief assistant. The transfer documents were prepared by Azrov. The deal provided Zelensky with a measure of distance from the offshore network by costing him nothing at all. The share certificate demonstrates that no money was paid by the receiving party. Therefore, the ownership was merely transferred from one name to another. Yeah, so it's kind of like selling something without selling something. Money wasn't transferred, but was it put in one of these offshore accounts? Is it just sitting there waiting for him to not be president? Was this whole war another way to, to launder money? And now these articles that I'm reading you, they're, they're older articles. This isn't oh, you know, from yesterday. This is, uh, let's see when this was written. Well, this is October, so obviously prior to any, anything going on. But it shows a roadmap of corruption this all started in 2017 with the shell companies so when he was a actor and had his um production company he he was a businessman nothing wrong with that but my question was why set up if you're a businessman and you're running a legitimate business why set up shell cor uh, corporations did you know something was coming were you told something was coming were you preparing yourself to be president before you even before anyone thought you were going to run to be president um it's very suspicious i just don't understand why an actor who was obviously famous in his country needed to set up shell corporations and have offshore accounts and have these fake entities as an actor, you're an actor, you're famous, you got a TV show, you have a production company, which a lot of actors have. There's nothing wrong with that. Why the shell companies? What else was he doing? 
prior to becoming president. So, in an address to the nation delivered last month, he announced a temporary ban on any activity by 11 political parties. Now, this is a guy who ran on being servant to the people. You know, that was his TV show. He even named his political party that. He vowed transparency, fairness, under law, under everybody, whatever he said there. Um, Let me see if I can find those words again. He said stuff. You know, my elections are proof that citizens are tired of the experienced pompous machine politicians. We will build a country of other opportunities, one where all equal before the law and where all rules are honest and transparent and the same for everyone. And that was, of course, shortly before he dismantled his parliament. Just last month, temporary ban on any activity by 11 political parties. So the ban includes the opposition platform for life, uh, the opposition platform for Life Party, which holds 40, uh, 43 seats in Ukraine's national parliament and is the largest opposition party. Opposition platform for real is a pro-Russia party, but on March 8th, party leader Yuri Boyko demanded that Russia stop the aggression against Ukraine, according to the Ukrainian outlet LB. That same day, Viktor Medvedchuk who was accused of treason against Ukraine in May and escaped um, the House arrest shortly after the invasion began, was removed from his post as the party's co-chair. Russian President Putin is the godfather of his daughter. Zelensky's information policy involves combining all national TV channels and the program's content, of which consists mainly of information and or information analytic programs into a single information platform of strategic communication to be called United News. Now, of what I just read, if you're a Democrat, you might not like Republicans. If you're a Republican, you might not, you know, whatever. We, in this country, we think of two parties. It's a two-party system. You got Republicans, Democrats, period, right? But there are other... Um, outlets. You have libertarians. You have, I mean, I don't know them all, but there's plenty. If you ever go to vote and you vote for president, you always see, uh, for example, you saw uh, <clears throat> Biden, Harris, you know, Trump, Pence, but guarantee you, depending on your, the state you lived in when you voted, there was probably at least one to five, six, seven other names or, you know, of different political parties if they had signed... Um, you know, if they had signed up in whatever state to be on the uh, ballot. So he went through and said all of the parties. So that'd be like Biden coming through and say, uh, Republican Party is no more. I'm putting a temporary ban on on all Republican parties. Okay, and all independents or libertarians or whatever. So what does that mean? You have however many people in Congress and Senate that are Republicans, they lose the right to vote. I didn't really specify, but, um, you know, Zelensky said the measure was necessary to combat Russian misinformation and tell the truth about the war. So, I mean, sounds familiar, right? Doesn't it sound like what they're trying to do here? You know, but wait, wait a second. Hold on. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Ukraine a democracy, but we got state TV a ban on opposition parties sounds to me more communist or socialist to me. What part of what he just did within the last month is democratic. A democratic nation, as much as you might hate what the opposing party says, you have to respect their right to be able to say it. Uh, Thus the First Amendment. Now granted, I'm talking in American terms. They don't have the First Amendment there. But you can't run as a servant to the people, as a uh, democratic, democratically elected president, and invoke martial law where you can take all this stuff away. It's very much, in my opinion, 
setting up a blueprint of what could very well happen in this country. The one thing that I've said, Chris has said, we've said it for a while, when we talk about different things, is the reason we haven't gotten to this point yet, and I say yet because it remains to be seen, is that pesky document called the uh, Constitution. But is this, is what's going on in Ukraine, is it a blueprint? Now I'm approaching, I'm just past 50 minutes. I'm scratching the surface here, guys. Um, I've got a list of names. Okay. And I'm going to say this about that. I'm not going to end the sh- I'm going to end the show here. But I'm not ending the show here. Right, there will be a part two to this. I'm going to have to part two this. But recently, Chris and I were talking on um, Friday. And there was a, a uh, American Chilean uh, journalist who came up missing. I think he, start, he was last he was heard from was, was um, April 15th. Okay, he had tweeted out, you want to learn the truth about Zelensky's regime, Google these names. He puts out a list of names and he goes, if you haven't heard from me in 12 hours or more, put my name on the list. That was his last tweet and that was on April 15th and he disappeared. He was he was gone. So the names on this list and I'm going to read these names. I'm going to tell you who they are, what they are. And then I'm going to end the show, and we're going to go into those names in part two. Okay, because literally it could be another hour, because I've got three more articles to read on these people. And this is where the Zelensky regime gets deep. Now, I'll also say this, the names I'm going to read, you can Google. You Maybe not Google, maybe duck them, I don't know, whatever. Um, they're going to tell you who they are, where they are, or what happened to them in layman's terms. I'm not going to give you the details, obviously. I will do some more research on these names when we talk about it on Wednesday. But um, what's going on over there, like I said, in my opinion, isn't as obvious as it seems. I will say that. So here's the names. And I'm bound to fuck them up, so pardon me. Vladimir Struck. Now this gentleman is, I scratch wrote this and I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> what is he? Nothing like getting show prep ready and running through stuff. <laughs> so he uh, was a Ukrainian politician. In March 22, he was the subject of a media coverage internationally due to his kidnapping and death. So, like I said, I want to get into detail. But he was found dead March 3rd. Um, basically, from what his wife said, kidnapped out of the home and uh, shot in the heart. Why she's still alive is beyond me. The next name on the list, Dennis Kariv. Yeah, Kariv. He is the Ukrainian intelligent agent. Uh, so basically like a CIA agent, but for Ukrainian intelligent uh, and he was trying to broker peace between Ukraine and Russia. So he was considered a uh, turncoat, essentially. Because, you know, God forbid he would try to broker peace. Um, Mikhail and Alexander Konovic. Now, these are two younger people, leaders of the, of the opposing youth movement, which... Um, Based on what I could find, and I didn't really do a lot of digging into these names, which I will do for the next show, was more of a communist. So I guess in in sense of Americanized, if you looked at it from, it'd be like an Antifa type situation. Maybe leaders of Antifa, whatever. Um, Missing. Okay. Um, Next name on the list, Nestor (laughs) Shufrik. Shufrik? That sounds about right. He was a parliament uh, budget leader. And he, uh, let me 
see if I can look him up real quick because uh, he's uh, he's not dead yet, but he is missing. He's been detained. So he's been detained um, by the uh, Kiev's 206th Territorial Defense Battalion and uh, handed him over to the police. There's no a lot of detail as to why. Um, so, oops. Like I said, we're going to dig more into these names here uh, on the next show. And then the next name on the list is Dimitri, I'm sorry, Yan Taxir. He's a Chilean journalist, anti Zelensky, missing. No whereabouts. He's, he's missing. Dimitri uh, Dejangariv, uh, UK, or, um, uh, UK, uh, Ukrainian journalist, missing, outspoken against Zelensky. Now there's another name on here, Elena Bereznahan. Berez, I don't know. She is an Olympic medal, uh, Olympic figure skater for Ukraine. Um, can't find anything on her, so I have to look into that as to why her name is on this list. Be interesting to to find out, but nonetheless, um, it's it's a situation of so this um other journalist uh, Gonzalo Lira missing April fifteenth, U.S. Chilean. Uh, I guess he's dual citizen, independent journalist, been over there reporting on this situation. And what's happening with a lot of these independent journalists, whether they're from Chile or U.S. or uh, the Ukraine itself, they're seeing what we're not being told, if that makes any sense. Um, so what's going on in this country that we're not being told about and basically what we're going to do is we're going to end it there. Um, I'm going to get into, on Wednesday, what is going on with Zelensky's people. He, um, his secret, I, I don't know if we want to call them secret police or not secret. They are very much the uh, equivalent to our CIA or FBI they're the Ukrainian SBU security services, which one of his buddies from his uh, his uh, TV production runs. Um, they serve as the enforcement arm of the officially authorized campaign of rep uh, repression. And they are, were trained by our very own CIA. So with that being said, on Wednesday's show, we're going to dig into these names and these situations as to the SBU and what they are doing. And it might open a little light as to why what is going on in Ukraine. Now, we talked about the money. I really have no evidence or proof. I'm having everything. I'll admit it. Everything was speculation as to where the money's gone. Obviously, he, this guy ran on an anti-corruption situation, being very corrupt himself. Even though he wasn't, quote-unquote, a politician, he was very, a, very much a politician lying to your face. I'm going to run on anti-corruption and anti-this, and, and everyone's fair under the law. Oh, by the way, everyone in Parliament, you're fired. That should have been the eye-opener. Much in the guise of Biden, I'm going to bring this country together, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Yay, Biden's the man. And the country's more divided and more of a shithole than it was two years ago. And I'm talking two years ago when we were in a slap dad in the middle of quote unquote COVID, the COVID pandemic that we knew nothing about and everyone was scared shitless. This guy wanted to bring the country together. He's made it worse. Uh, see Zelensky. Okay. All right, guys. With that being said, please go to the website, don'ttreadonamerica.com. Check us out. Subscribe. Go to our uh, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, don't tread on America on Facebook and DTOM underscore 1775 on Twitter. Uh, research some of the stuff I talked about. Um, I, I can put some of these articles up. I'm not putting them all up because some of them I want to talk about on Wednesday. I don't want you guys stealing my thunder. And uh, with that being said, guys, it is April 24th, 2022. 
You guys have a terrific Sunday, and I will talk to you again on uh, Wednesday. Have a great day.